0: From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Wednesday, March 16th. This month, local and national organizations are helping to reduce fire risk around Moab. It's called Operation Slick Rock and covers areas from the Slackline Park to Pack Creek. Justin Higginbottom visited a site to learn more about this important work and the people doing it.
1: Today, a field off Mill Creek near downtown is a buzz. Volunteers are busy sawing and chipping away at invasive plant species. They're clearing a generous space of ground between this Moab neighborhood and the thick brush found along the creek. Just a couple years ago, this very thick brush that you can see in the riparian area was all the way up against the homeowner's property there. And If there was to actually have a fire happen right through there, it would potentially take out several of those houses. That's uh, J.B. Clay, a fire mitigation specialist for the Bureau of Land Management. He's out here with others improving the wildland-urban interface around Moab. That's basically where vegetation and homes meet. It can be kind of overwhelming for homeowners to get in and deal with. If they do have a, a piece of property that butts up against a riparian area, it's a lot to deal with. So we're just trying to work with the local community members and get that buy-in Ideally, we can get more people in the community who want to participate and want to take part in it. A big part of this work is removing invasive species like Russian olive and tamarisk. Uh,
0: um, Another way of thinking of them are a plant out of place. It's a plant that didn't evolve in the ecosystem here and so it doesn't have uh, natural predators. So like Russian olive is a great example where it will tend to fill an area that in the past would have been much more open.
1: That's Kara Dorenwind. She's the director of Rim-to-Rim Restoration. Not only can these invasive species increase fire risk, but they also crowd out habitat that supports wildlife. And clearing this vegetation is labor-intensive. Yeah, my name is Tom Luma. For this operation, I'm the incident commander. That's where Luma and Team Rubicon come in. The organization is veteran-based and responds to disasters around the world. In this case, they're trying to prevent one. Luma was in the Army for six years, and he says this kind of work is especially rewarding for veterans. One of the most important things I think about for Team Rubicon is the fact that giving back is so healing, you know, to the individual who's giving. And we are built to serve, that's a motto of Team Rubicon, we're built to serve. We served in the military, and a lot of our civilians have been served in other capacities around the... the the, the country and the world. And we have people that will go live in an austere conditions for months at a time helping people. And they come back for more. They just come back for more. It's addictive. Kenneth Peebles is addicted. He's an Air Force veteran.
2: Well, we have 22 veterans a day commit suicide. And a lot of it has to do with PTSD and with not having a sense of purpose. When you're in the military, you have a defined sense of purpose. And you have the camaraderie ship with your, your fellow uh, service members. So by coming here, it allows us to have a sense of purpose, a sense of belonging. In four years, I went from about 85 friends on Facebook to I'm like well over a thousand now. And I've, these are all people I've met. These are not like friends of friends. These are like I have met that many people. I, I go to a lot of ops. I've been on, I think this is number 59. I go about once a month for a week, so I spend about 25%
1: of my life doing this kind of work. There's been a number of fires in the region that have risked homes. The Cinema Court fire and Pack Creek, but also a lot of successes, where fire breaks like this one helped. Duncan Fuchise is a coordinator with the Utah Division of Forestry, Fire, and State Lands. He says as Moab has grown, risks have increased. We build all these farming communities around these creeks because we irrigate fields, and then at some point there's more people, and so you start developing these fields into houses, and then fire risk goes up because you're just building more stuff into the creek quarters. And it's normal. That happens everywhere, right? He wants private parties in the area to help identify fire fuel for removal. It's a lot of work. But there's plenty of people here willing to help. Justin Higginbottom for KZMU News.
0: The high cost of living in resort towns has fueled disputes over pay. Earlier this year, ski patrol members at Vail Resorts' Park City location threatened to strike. Vail Resorts is an industry giant whose properties include Beaver Creek in Colorado and Heavenly in Nevada. But now the company announced it will increase its minimum wage. Jesse Metzger with our partners at KBUT has more.
3: Next winter, Vail will pay a $20 per hour minimum wage at its North American resorts. That's according to an announcement Monday. Skilled positions like ski patrol will start slightly higher. This season, Vail's starting wages have been $15 per hour or less, depending on the resort. In January, the company announced it would give hourly employees an additional $2 an hour as an end-of-season bonus. Vail says its recent changes are part of a $175 million budget increase for employee compensation and hiring. The increase comes at the end of a contentious winter. The company has faced criticism over long lines and limited operations. That's all during a season with record-high ticket sales. Vail acknowledged widespread staffing shortages across its resorts, as well as issues with payroll and human resources. Vail-owned Park City Mountain Resorts made headlines earlier this winter when it narrowly avoided a ski patroller strike over wages. Vail's final offer at the time was $16 per hour. I'm Jesse Metzger.
0: Tuesday, March 15th, was Equal Pay Day, representing just how far into 2022 women would have to work to make what men did in 2021 on average. Mary Sherman with our partners at the Public News Service reports.
2: In 2021, full-time wages for women were about 83% of that of full-time men. In Utah, the gap was much wider at about 70 percent, which is roughly $17,000 less. Ariane Higovish with the Institute for Women's Policy Research notes the data doesn't take into account the low-wage women not in full-time positions who were pushed out of the workforce during the pandemic.
1: It particularly impacted the service sector, hotels, leisure and retail in the direct contact jobs which very often are the lowest paid jobs, and women lost more
0: jobs than men in those fields.
2: There are more than 1 million fewer women in the labor force than in early 2020. Utah ranks 50th among states and Washington, D.C., for the largest gap between men and women's earnings. Carolyn York with the National Committee on Pay Equity says a combination of factors contribute to the wage gap, including unequal treatment in the workplace. Other issues are transparency and hiring based on past salary instead of credentials.
1: Let's say starting out at the beginning of your career, you were paid less than others doing the same job, and then you finally moved to a different position. Unfortunately, often that pay situation follows you.
2: Meanwhile, Marilyn Watkins with the Economic Opportunity Institute points out that the pay gap is greater when race is included. For Black women, Latina women, Indigenous women, the pay gap is significantly worse than it is overall for white and most Asian women. In 2021, Black and Latina women made about 63 and 58 percent, respectively, of what men made
0: nationally. Mary Sherman reporting. And that's the KZMU News for Wednesday, March 16th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.